I invite you to take your Bibles, and this morning we're going to go around to a couple different passages like we did last week. Um, This is a little bit of a different series, even in just the structure. If you have come here before, uh, or you've been here for any length of time, you... uh, you may, you may know that my uh, comfort level resides very much so in a verse-by-verse study of a certain book of the Bible. That is how I feel uh, the Lord would have us to study the Word of God in general. As a general rule, we need to go verse-by-verse through the books of the, of the Scriptures as God leads. Uh, but also, there's not only room, there is, um, there is value in a topical study such as this on the local church. And what does the scripture tell us about that? And so I know that last week um, the message was a little bit longer. Um, I I would just say this. um, I didn't say everything I could have said. (laughs) Um, It's okay to laugh at that, all right? Um, You put a message together and you study one passage you know, it's like taking a Honda Civic to Disneyland, you have 25 kids to take with you, okay? Um, now, do that with about four or five passages, and there's just so much you, that I as a pastor want to say and feel like I want to help you understand, but that is not the purpose to understand every little thing about every single passage we look at in these things, but how does it relate to the local church? So, why do I say that? Because I encourage you to write down those passages and go back and read them later in their fuller context and ask the Lord to help you to continue to work through those things and and study them out for yourself. But today, uh, we're going to jump back into this, I, this, this series on the church. Uh, what is the church? Um, last week, we looked at the foundation of the church, and today, we'll be looking at the purposes of the church. Now, if you have your bulletin there, you'll see there are three points. This is a six-point sermon, and we're only going to cover three of them today, okay? So, you'll have to come back next week to hear as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story, okay? Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for its power to change our lives. Thank you for the time we have set aside in our service today to read it and study it together. And Lord, we ask that you would quiet our hearts and minds during these next few minutes, that you would open the word of God to us through your Holy Spirit. You would illumine us to understand what you are saying, that you would apply it to our hearts and lives, that you would help us to see what is the next spiritual step you are calling us to take. There may be one here today who has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. For them, they need the initial step of faith in Jesus alone. And I ask that you would work in their heart and draw them to yourself today. For Christians that are here today, Lord, Help us to not grow uh, complacent and satisfied in our spiritual walks, but challenge us to greater growth in you that we may be used more of you to the glory of God the Father. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why does the church exist? This is a question that has been asked countless times throughout the last 2,000 years. I would argue that every pastor trying to do God's work has faced this question as he considers God's direction for the church that God has called him to lead. 
Why does the church exist? Every church goer, every church attender should ask this question as he or she considers what church they were going to go to and why would you attend that church? Why does the church exist? Over the years, church programs, events, and activities come and go. If you've been part of a local church for any length of time or part of multiple churches, you know that there are no two churches that seem to do everything the same way. However, if the church is God's institution, and last week we looked at the foundation of the church, and it is God's institution, there should be some non-negotiables that churches carry out, correct? Yeah. Overwhelmingly so, right? God says this is the purpose of the church. God has set up his church to carry out certain purposes on this earth, the People then who make up the church, because the church is a people, not a building, right? They are responsible before the Lord to prioritize and act on these things within the context of not only their own lives, but their local body they're a part of. So let's survey the word of God to see how God's people are called to serve him in the body of the church, carrying out his purposes on earth today. And I want you to, what I want us to see here is this, that God's purposes for his church exalt his name on earth, expanding his mission in the hearts of believers and unbelievers alike. Everything a church does, right, needs to go back to, okay, how does this fit within the purpose of the church? Now, everything a, church do, a local church does may not be in the Bible, right? And, and let me clarify what I mean by that. Um, there is no first Awana 1-1, you shall have Awana programs on Wednesday nights, okay? I know some of you think that is in the Bible. It's not, okay? But can a program like Awana have its roots in what the Bible says a church is supposed to be doing? Yes. And so what we want to look at is what are God's purposes for the church that exalt his name? here on this earth, and and therefore, as his name is exalted, expand his mission, the kingdom of God, in the hearts of believers and unbelievers alike. How does he do that in the hearts of believers? He does that through sanctification, right? Through growing us in Jesus Christ. And the unbelievers, by bringing them to salvation. That expands the mission of the gospel, does it not? What does Jesus say is the reaction of heaven when one soul repents? There is great rejoicing. Because the mission of Christ or the mission of the gospel is being carried out. And so how, do, how does a church, how does a local church carry out the purposes that, Jesus, that God sets forth in his word? Well, let's identify today the first half of these. What, what is the purpose of the church? Number one, the purpose of the church is to glorify God. You say, well, that sounds really basic. It is. And there's a reason it's basic. It's foundational to what we do. I'd like you to, you're in Ephesians chapter 3, where our scripture reading was found this morning. And, and I want you to see that, that as Paul closes this prayer, there is an overarching purpose to what we as a church need to do. He says this in verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 3. To him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Where are we to see the glory of God? In the church. 
As Paul wraps up his prayer here, he prays for God's glory to be in the church, not only the church at Ephesus, but in all churches. Uh, the, the, all of those who belong to Jesus Christ, as we talked about last week, are part of the church. This request then should be the, the goal of the church in general. And as the church is the people and not just a building, we see that that is the goal of, for every individual believer's life as well. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.31 that whether, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is the calling to the lives of individual believers. And as believers are a part of the church, it is the calling of the, the church. There's the corporate goal of each church to glorify God. When the church undertakes any activity, it should be for the purpose of bringing honor and glory to God alone. As we said last week, the church is God's institution. Therefore, he is the one we seek to please with what we do. So, when, a cho- when choices need to be made in a church, and I'll just tell you, there are always choices that need to be made in a church, Right? whether they be at a pastoral level, at the pastors and deacons, or at a congregational level. These choices need to be made with the main purpose and goal of this. We want to bring honor and glory to God in everything we do. We're going to look today and next week at other purposes of the church. We're going to see the biblical reasons for each of these, but, but I want you to understand that every single one of them falls underneath this goal to bring glory to God. Lift him above all else. Honor and exalt him to a watching world. Make him, as Paul said, we looked at Colossians 1.18 last week in the body of Christ. Make Jesus preeminent in all things. So one of the things we need to understand is this. The church isn't about man. It isn't about the leader of the church. Pastors are important, but understand pastors are not God. They never have been and they never will be. Reaching people is important, but we do not seek to exalt people's preferences or draw people in at the expense of God's glory being seen. The church is not Israel, but Israel's call to be devoted to the glory of God, I believe, is instructive to us as a church today. Israel was to exalt God in her obedience to God and exaltation of God. She was to be a light to the nations of who God is. She was to exalt God in all her actions. You know, in many of the same ways, the church is called to do these things. And again, don't get your theology like this is some kind of replacement. But there are parallels here for us as a church today. That we are called, we are set apart into a relationship with God as well. We are called to give others a good reflection of God, of who he is. Therefore, when we gather here to worship God, we do so with the intention of glorifying him first and foremost. So, as the purpose of the church is to glorify God first and foremost, while we're here, I want to talk about then what is the goal of worship in a church? And I want to point you, I'm going to put it on the screen, but if you want to turn there, you can. To Psalm 96, verses 7 through 9, it says this. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord 
glory, and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. This psalm instructs the followers of God on how they are to worship God. Worship is an important topic in the Bible. There have been countless books written on worship. There have been countless sermon series that pastors have preached on worship. You hang around long enough, you'll probably hear one from me at some point in the future. But for today's purposes, I wanna, we want to boil it down to what is the key goal of worship. Worship is intended to ascribe to God the honor and glory that is due to him. That is what worship is intended to do. That is what the calling of worship is in the scripture. To ascribe to God the honor and glory that he is rightfully due. Now this psalm, in these verses that we have read, is not just written to Israel. These three verses here are inviting all people of the earth to come and worship the Lord. Israel was to be a light to the nations. And here, A future day is described when all will worship God in the courts of his temple. That day is coming. In our churches today, we should then offer God this type of worship. We are to come into the presence of God and offer him the praise he is not only due, but he is worthy to receive. So when a church gathers to glorify God, Part of that glory is given in our worship services to him. We did that this morning, right? We gathered and we worshiped God in song, right? And read the scripture and we prayed together. This is all part of worship. So church worship services need to be built around this goal, glorifying and exalting God. So again, worship services are not built to glorify man. Worship services are not built to make you feel good and have a good church experience. The goal of a church's worship service, if the goal of a church's worship service is to make sure you leave with a good feeling, then I'm just going to tell you at its basis level, the goal is not to glorify God. Here, the goal has then become In this instance, right, if we want to make people have a good feeling, we are manipulating people into a good experience so that we can build up our local body's attendance and return rate. So that cannot be the goal, right? Okay, by the same token, things do not always then have to remain the same in order to glorify God, do they? Sometimes churches make decisions To stay the course and do what we've always done. Why? Because rocking the boat makes people uncomfortable. And we don't want to make people uncomfortable. And so, great care and thought given to how a church approaches worship, though, may mean that some things change in a church in an effort to worship God more effectively. I don't know about any of you here, but I am not perfect. And I have a lot of growing to do. So it would stand to reason then that a church made up of imperfect people may not always be doing things the best way they could be done to worship the Lord. Do you agree with that? So therefore, sometimes things change. That's a hard word in a Baptist church, right? But you say, well, man, then I have to, 
I have to actually think about something. You know, that's a good thing. If you have to think about what you're saying or hearing because it's different, that does not make it wrong. Now, if it's unbiblical, that's wrong, right? And I just want to take just a minute. I know I'm trying not to go off into too many rabbit trails. But can I just help us understand the word unbiblical for just a second? Unbiblical means against the word of God, Right? Unbiblical does not mean, well, I don't agree with your opinion, therefore you're unbiblical. Unbiblical means the word of God says this and you want to do this. There will be, th- there will be times when we look at the word of God and we see things and we say, okay, I gave you the silly example earlier about the Awana program, right? Well, just because Awana is not in the Bible, that means it's unbiblical. No. It, it may be an, an extra biblical application of a principle but it is not unbiblical, right? Now, if you came in next week and we said, okay, now everybody brings a lamb and we offer sacrifices because that's how God says to worship him, you have to offer sacrifices. You know what you would say? Well, that's unbiblical because Jesus says that the covenant in him, right? Now, that's unbiblical. You say, well, that's extreme. Okay, I had to find something we'd all agree on, right? But if something is unbiblical, it's wrong. But if it's just different than last week or last year or what you've heard or done all your life, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. In fact, we need to be open and honest to say, you know, this might be more pleasing to God or might expand the mission of the church. And it's not unbiblical. It may drive us to more purposeful thinking, which is honoring and glorifying to God. And one of the things we need to understand is worship takes intentionality. You do not stumble into worship. You have to have the purpose of coming to worship God and glorifying him. You worship God by purposefully ascribing to God the glory of who he is. You magnify his glory and strength. You bring an offering of praise into his courts. You exalt his holiness and seek to live in holiness with his strength, setting your life aside to live for him. This is worship. And when God is glorified, you can rest in this. We have purposefully worshiped the Lord. And we have properly worshipped him. Therefore, churches need to make the goal of worship to glorify God. Now typically, when we think of worship, I think a lot of us think of, of singing. And in music selection and style, churches need to glorify God, not man. Indeed, worship services modeled after biblical models include much music and singing. And so it is the duties of Christians to sing to the Lord using music to glorify God. But there are other parts of worship and other purposes of the church besides singing. And these also must flow from the heart of glorifying God. And understand this, that one of the biggest things, perhaps the greatest thing we can do to glorify God is obey God. That brings honor and glory to Him. So as we continue on in the purposes of the church, remember they all fall under this funnel, right, to glorify God. And to glorify God, we obey God in what he says we are to do as a church. So the purpose of the church, number one, is to glorify God. Number two, to teach biblical doctrine. 
you are in Ephesians, just go towards the back of the Bible, a couple books to 2 Timothy chapter 3. One of the greatest passages on the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verses 16 and 17, we see the supremacy of God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. One of the primary things that brings, God's, brings God glory in the church is the public declaration of the word of God. It is the role of the church to hold forth the word of God. We saw that last week, right? When one of the things that the church is to be is the pillar and buttress of the truth, holding up the word of God, protecting it from error, declaring it to the world. Not, we're not making this up. We're saying this is what God has said. Therefore, one of the primary purposes of the church then is to declare God's word. Individually, Believers need God's word in their lives. And corporately, local churches need to preach the word of God. And in these contexts of the local church, the word of God needs to be held in a supreme position. And I want to be clear here about the supremacy of God's word. It is the word of God that must be primary. When you walk through the doors of a local church, you did not come to hear, this is what the preacher says, but you came to hear, thus says the Lord. That's what we come to hear. It is a pastor's responsibility to give the flock the word of God. It is a pastor's job to exposit the Bible, helping you understand what it says and how it applies to your life. And if you want to hear the latest political news and opinions, if you want to hear funny story after funny story, if you want to hear a feel-good speech, you can find those elsewhere. When you walk into church, you should not only expect, but you should long to hear the Word of God. Why? Because of what the Bible is. Paul tells us in this passage that we just read, That all scripture is God's word. He literally says it is God breathed. You couple this with what Peter says in his letters. We understand that no scripture comes from someone's imagination or thoughts. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They were carried along. God's word, the Bible, is his word to us. It is exactly what he said and how he meant to say it. And thus, it is profitable to us. Paul says, all scripture is, is breathed out by God. And, and, and so therefore, and there's an and, right? And is profitable. That means all scripture is what? Profitable. Now, why do you make such a big point of that? I want you to remember that as you read through all those genealogies, okay? You ever read through the Bible and got to First Chronicles and there's like nine solid chapters of begats, Right? I want you to remember this verse, right? Say, Lord, help me understand and and see what it is that you are communicating here. Because all Scripture is profitable. What is it profitable to do? Well, 
It's profitable for teaching. It is profitable to instruct us in the ways of God, to teach us who he is and what he's done. It is profitable for reproof, to convict us of our sin. God's word is a mirror that shows us who we really are. It is profitable not only to that end, though, but for correction, to to set us on the path of what is right, to straighten us up again. I am so glad that the Word of God doesn't just stop at, you have a sin problem. End of story. Okay, that's really, you know, depressing, right? The Bible goes on, and this is who Jesus is and what he's done. This is how you make it right. And then it's profitable for instruction, to personally instruct us in the ways of God. This is how you keep it right in life. This is how God continues to work in you. Why? All of this is done to make you a complete child of God, equipped and empowered to obey God, doing the good work he has called you to do. Paul tells Timothy, this is what is profitable for his life as a Christian, the word of God. God uses his word to save us, He uses his word to change us. He uses his word to make us more like Christ. It is therefore the responsibility of the church to make this the primary thing, the word of God. Worship is good and right. Ministries are good and right. Activities can be good and right. Programs can be good and right. But if the word of God is not foremost in a church, everything else in that church will lack. You need the word of God first and foremost. It is necessary in the life of every believer. Turn back one chapter to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 and see that. And not only is there a supremacy to the word of God, there is a necessity to God's word in our lives. Paul says, do your best to Timothy and to those who read it today to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Paul instructs Timothy here to put in the work that is necessary with God's word in order that he may be an unashamed worker for the Lord. I don't know if you have found this, but understanding and applying God's word in your life takes some time. It takes time for a pastor to prepare a message from God's word each week that he may rightly handle God's word in front of God's people and instruct them in God's ways. It takes time for you as a believer to sit down and study the word of God. It sometimes takes effort and consulting outside resources from godly authors and people who God has used in great ways to understand a passage more fully. It, It takes attention to what is being read. When Paul says, study, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, He's not just about talking about dragging your eyes across the page so you can check a box and go on with your life. He's talking about putting the time and the effort necessary to make, to help, to have, for God's word to have an impact in your life. It, and if you are a Christian, this is your calling. As a believer and part of God's church, the Bible needs to have a prominent position in your life. You show me a Christian who doesn't think it's important to spend time in the Word of God, and I will show you at best an emaciated Christian, at best. Because 
you read the Word of God and understand that if there's no desire at all for the things of God, you have some serious heart questioning to do in your own life. You cannot hope to glorify God if you don't know God. You cannot hope to worship God if you don't know who He is and what He's done. You cannot hope to make right choices without God's Word. And you say, you know, but it just takes time. Yeah. Anything worth anything in life takes time. I tell my kids this all the time. This is like life advice from, what, from the dad to the kid, right? Good things in life aren't free. I just told my kids that recently. You know, something was going on and it was going to take some time. I said, hey, good things in life aren't free. Anything worth anything. And the, the word of God is worth everything. It takes time. Sometimes you read the Word of God, and, and God is using the circumstances of your life and the things that you have heard and observed, and it's like the Word of God just, it, it's like it jumps off the page, right? I've never seen that before. Thank you, I needed that so much. And other times you sit there and you read and you read and you read and you study and you study, and, you're, and you're, it's like you're going down into the mine, right? And, you're, and you know what? As you do that, you can love it. You can love it. Love the word of God. And I'm sorry, but I just don't buy this while I never have any time. We have so much time. And we just fritter it away doing what we want to do. Right? It takes time. It takes investment. And it's worth it. It's worth doing. And I understand this, now I do under, and I understand this phrase. Well, I just don't know where to start. I don't know what I would do. That's what a local church is there to help you with. As a pastor, I would love to, to hear you say, well, I just don't know where to start. What, what, what are some things you should, I have lists, okay? Some of you have come and talked to me and said, I, need to, I want to read about this, or I want to, I want to understand the Bible with this, and, and, and sometimes it's like, yep, here you go. Or other times it's like, okay, give me a, some time and I'll find, help you find something. Because it's my goal as a pastor to help you understand the word of God for yourself. Giving God's word its proper place in our lives is one of the things that takes intentional planning and investment. And in the context of a local church gathering for worship, the primary focus is the preaching of God's word. Some of you may have been here when I preached a message one Sunday night about our worship services. And our worship services here work like a funnel. We are funneling towards the Word of God. Because that's why we're here. To worship Him and hear from Him. We're here to listen to God's Word. Worship services are designed and intentionally planned to point us to this. We don't come to church to be entertained. We come to be fed by God's word and called to action by what we hear. So then the church is a place where believers are built up in the Lord. And that's the last thing we'll look at today. The purpose of the church is to build up believers. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We kind of just stayed right in this little area here today. So hopefully you don't have to go too far. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, we see that there's a purpose here that believers will be built up in their faith. Paul here is talking about those that God has given to the church to do the ministries of the church, and it says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up 
the body of Christ. Paul gives a reason here for God's gifting of leaders, that these men that God has given are to build up believers in the faith. The church exists to build up believers for the Lord. One of the greatest truths about God is he takes us where we are and he doesn't leave us there. We don't believe in this come as you are, leave as you came mentality. God tells you to come as you are, and I'm going to change you and make you into what you need to be in me. In salvation, he transforms us, giving us spiritual life and placing us in his kingdom. And after salvation, that work continues. Salvation is not a decision we make so we won't go to hell. That's not the purpose, you know, it's like, well, I just don't want to go to hell. I got my little, my get out of hell free card, you know. That's not what salvation is. I mean, that is a big part of it, right? That we don't go to hell, we spend eternity with God. But salvation is freedom from sin, that we may live for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. This, that is, in this world and in our hearts, And we call this process by which God continues to grow and change us sanctification. It is the process by which we grow and change to become more like Christ. It is a maturing of our faith. And Paul uses the wording here as building up the body of Christ at the end of verse 12 here. The words here, building up, come from a Greek word that carries the meaning of building up a person to be a suitable dwelling place for God. That is such a neat picture. That we would be a place that is honorable to God. It is the transformation into the image of God day by day. It is growing in Christ-likeness. Now, perfection on this earth is not the goal because that's unrealistic, right? You live with this flesh. You won't be perfect. We fight against that flesh with the help of the Lord. The Holy Spirit indwelling us helps us to follow the word of God and do what is right and live out the new life we have in God. Okay, so if perfection is not the goal, what is? Continued growth and change in God is our goal. We will never reach a finished, glorified state on this side of eternity. We will never plateau. We can always grow in the Lord. So therefore, we continue in the local church, to be built up in our faith. We continue to be challenged by God's word. We continue to be made, as Paul says, a more suitable dwelling place for God. We continue to be transformed. Now, there are times in our lives that we are resistant to this process. Every Christian has been at some point in their lives. God places his finger very clearly on things that are wrong in our lives. We are in sin. And you know what? God says that's wrong. And we go, mine. Right? I think of like my little one and a half year old daughter. Right? That's mine. I want to do that. I like that. Because our flesh loves that. And we're resistant to what God is trying to do. He's trying to dig that sin out of our lives so that we may be a more suitable dwelling place for God. We may be built up in him. And we use the fact that perfection here will not be attained as an excuse. 
We say, well, I mean, no one's perfect, so, yeah, no one's perfect, so let's keep growing and changing. Let us submit to the Spirit's work and seek to be built up by God's Word. And how does this come? It comes through the preaching of God's Word and our personal time with the Lord. But we are also built up in the faith through fellowship with other believers. So, the church exists to build up believers, one, we see they are built up in faith, but two, they are built up through fellowship with other believers. Acts 2.42, I'll put it up on the screen here for you. This is a picture of the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. If the earliest pictures of the church show us anything, they show us the community that formed around faith in Christ. These people genuinely loved each other and they loved being with each other. They cared for each other. They were a family joined together by faith in God. And as the years would continue to to bring greater persecution and ostracization for those who professed Jesus, they would need each other all the more. Part of a church's building up of believers is the fellowship with other believers that the church provides. The local church isn't just a social club. It isn't a place where I go to show off my new stuff or talk about my latest accomplishments. It is not a place where I go to sell things or express my latest political views. The church is the family of God. It is a place where I can find others who have placed faith in Jesus and proclaimed him as the Lord of their lives. It is where I should be able to find those who will challenge me in my spiritual walk. It is here that I can find discipleship and help. It is here that I can be this for other people. The church helps us to find opportunities to fellowship with others. Now, today, in our local church context, we may do this formally through the church. And I know it's an old, trite, um, Baptist thing that we like fellowships, right? But understand the goal of, of a corporate fellowship. Maybe it's after church on a Sunday or another day. Like, okay, in a couple weeks, we're going up to West Branch to eat, okay? Welcome to Baptist, all right? But what's the goal of that? It is a purposeful time to gather together to promote the building of relationships with one another, to promote fellowship amongst brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. But fellowship of believers should not stop at a formal church gathering. You need to own this personally in your own life, building other Christians into your life for the purpose of being built up in the faith. We live in a world that is hostile to God. You say, yep, that's 2023. That's when Paul was writing too, by the way. We live in a world that's hostile to God. Paul lived in a world that was hostile to God, who lit the streets of Rome with the burning bodies of Christians. You think that's hostile? So you know who we need? We need each other. We need the fellowship of believers. We face temptation at every every turn it feels like. We need a community that will challenge us to grow and help to seek to restore us when we fail. God has set up this church, his church for this purpose. 
Fellowship with one another is important to help us in our Christian growth. We are partners in the work of the gospel with fellow Christians. So we are called not to isolate ourselves, but to stir up others to do the work of the ministry. The church provides then opportunities opportunities for us to do the work of God together. Lastly, we see in this purpose of fellowship, we are called to minister together as we fellowship, as as we build up believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. We saw last week that the church is the body of Christ, that he is the head and preeminent, and by him we all have life. From him we are given direction. And as members of the body of Christ, believers are called to minister together in the things of God. So the work of the church is to be carried out by the people of the church. The worship of the church offered to God is to be offered by the people who are there. The proclamation of the word of God is carried out by those who belong to the church. And the other purposes of the church that we will see in the next week are to be carried out by the people who are in that church. Without people working together to carry out the ministries of the church, the church does not function as God intends. Because the church is people, right? So Paul says here, the body does not consist of one member, but has many. Now, what is Paul saying here? Well, one of the major things that Paul is communicating here is that the church is not limited to one certain type of gift. In Corinth, I kind of mentioned this to you last week, they had a lot of issues going on. And, and one of the issues they were facing um, was, was the use of spiritual gifts, and everybody wanted to do the same thing. Paul says, the church, the body, has many members. The church is not the pastor. The church is not anyone else. The church is to glorify God, and the church is you as a Christian. I think a lot of times you take a pass. Well, I mean, I mean that, that's who the church, the church is that person. They can do that. The church is the pastor. The church. No, I belong as a Christian to the church. So therefore, I am called to carry out the ministry of, the, of my local body. If you are a Christian, you are called to be involved in the work of God. You are called to embrace the fellowship of believers. You are called to engage with God's word. You are called to actively join the ministry of the church in some way. You are called to exercise the gifts that God has given you within the context of the church. Church isn't about filling an attendance requirement. It isn't about checking a box. It's all about engaging with the people of God for the ministry of God to the glory of God. And we'll see some more of these purposes in the church as we continue this message next week. But what we see is, again, that God's purposes for his church exalt his name on earth, expanding his mission in the hearts of believers and unbelievers alike. The glory of God is primary to the, to the ministry of the church. As God's institution, God must be glorified by the church. And this begins with individual believers prioritizing the glory of God in their own hearts and lives. Let's just consider this. If we as Christians truly sought God's glory in all our choices and actions, how would our lives be different? If everything we did or said or thought 
was filtered through perfectly, right? And again, we're going to struggle with that on this side of eternity. But if, we, if that's the goal, to, be in Christ, to, to, to have Christ-likeness, we need to filter everything through. Does this bring glory and honor to God? How would our lives look different? Well, there would certainly be a great shift in where we spend our time or how our decisions we make that would affect our lives and the choices. God's word is the beginning and end for everything that honors him. We need God's direction for, to live for him And we have that direction in the Bible that has been preserved for us. The word of God must be held forth in church as the answer and basis of all we do. And it must be so in our individual lives as well. You need an active habit of bringing in the word of God to your own life. Of studying it for yourself. The church builds up believers. You as a Christian need church. You need the challenge of God's word as well as the challenge of brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to hear the word of God, minister alongside others and the community of the body of Christ. Your faith should be challenged here in this place to grow in the Lord. And so, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what we know. That right here in this place today, because the word of God has been preached, right? God is calling you to your next step of spiritual growth. Whether that be salvation from sin by faith in Jesus Christ alone, that you need to come to him to respond to him, or as a believer, putting off that which God has told you to put off, renewing your mind, putting on what he has called you to do. We can see him do a mighty work in and through us today as we submit to him for his honor and his glory. This Here is the church, right? That which God has laid the foundation of and which God has purposed to to exist to bring him honor and glory to proclaim the word of God and to build up believers. And next time we'll finish out the rest of what we see throughout the scripture of the purposes that God has called the church to fulfill. Father, we thank you for the word of God and its power to change our lives. We thank you for this place where we can come and study the word of God together. We thank you for the availability of the word of God that we have. Lord, we truly live in a wonderful age where the word of God is not only available, it is almost laughably available to us. We can open our phones and read it almost any time. We can go to our bookshelves and find so many copies of it. Lord, let us not grow complacent then towards it, but let us embrace the word of God and ask you to use it to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. Help us as a church to seek to honor and glorify you in all that we say and do. Help us as a church to make the decisions that best honor and glorify you. Help us as individual believers then to be prioritizing that in our lives. Because, Lord, if we do not do, not do that, we can do much damage to the local church. God, we admit, confess that we struggle. We don't always live to the glory of God. We don't always live in obedience to you. And we're thankful for your grace that restores us to a right relationship with you, that calls us to return to you, that builds us up again in you. 
Lord, help us to come back to you when we stray and live for your honor and your glory. May you give us the grace to respond to the work that you're doing in our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen.